Hey guys, it's your host Sue Langata here. As we come up to the end of the selling season with only four selling weekends to go and possibly some midweek twilight auction nights, we thought we would do a replay of episode 42 for all those who are frustrated with the auction process. We have two leaders in their field, Nicole Jacobs, a renowned buyer's agent, and Barry Sloan, a successful freelance auctioneer, to talk about the different strategies from both their perspectives to help you bid at auction. Have a listen. So Grant, today we will be talking to both a buyer's advocate and auctioneers about the best tactics for bidding at auction. Yay. What else do you think we should be learning from them today? Uh, you know, it'd be great to see, you know, how eager, you know, should we be before and during the auction. Definitely. And also, how should we combat the nerves? I think that's a bit of a scary one for everybody, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And then what happens when the house hasn't been put on the market? Mm-hmm. How do we bid? How do we bid? Yeah. yeah. Do we go hard early? Do we go hard late? And oh, what's the yeah. best way to go? Yeah. So there's plenty of things and we, you know, because we're talking to both sides of the coin, uh, we should get the best answers. That's what we're looking for. You know, let's find out. Welcome to Real Estate Right, where we talk to top experts on how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your hosts are Grant Kennedy and Sue Langeter. Wanting a buyer's advocate's perspective on tactics... Prestige Buyers Advocate Nicole Jacobs from Nicole Jacobs Property is here again to talk to us about the buying side of an auction. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you for having me, Grant and Sue. It's been a little <laughs> while now since we saw you last. I know. Yeah. So much has happened. Good to see. Yeah. I know. <laughs> okay, so how eager should we show the agent that we want the property prior to auction? Look, I think it's really important that you communicate with the agent that you do want to be kept in the loop, ask for the contract. Uh, If you're going to do a building in Pest, obviously they're going to know that you're interested, but uh, eager to, yes, you want to be kept informed, but not so eager that they think, fantastic, we've got somebody that's going to pay over the odds for this. Okay, cool. So, Nicole, what's the ideal bidding strategy when it comes down to the crunch? Okay. Well, again, I will go back to it will depend on the property. It will depend on the budget that I've been given or that you give yourself. Uh, The first thing is that you must have a strategy. If you don't have a strategy going into auction, then forget it. Uh, yep. If you're going to wing it on the day, you're going to find yourself in all sorts of problems because you might become over-emotional. Yep. Uh, you may miss cues from the uh, agent. You may not hear the bidding uh, correctly. So I really recommend the first strategy is to have a strategy yeah. uh, and know where you're going to go to on the day. Uh, and that's backed by all of the due diligence you've done behind that because you can't go to the auction with a strategy if you don't know where it sits in the market and where it could go, how much you can actually afford, do you have your finance in place, all these things that need to be ticked off to give you confidence to actually bid on the day. So in answer to your question there, the ideal strategy is one, to have one. Two, I love to be out the front. I like to see everybody. So I will almost stand on the auctioneer because I like to, they've got the best spot in the house right they want to see everybody so i'll be up there with them so that i can see everybody it's not so much of an intimidation factor although agents will say at the start of some auctions please don't be put off by 
her. She's a yep. professional. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. But, uh, you know, I, I do because it because I want to read. people recognise you and that side of things a little bit. Yeah, people yeah. recognise, but also, uh, you know, we tend to make sure that our clients have got the right amount of money to buy so that yeah. they're successful. Yeah. Um, if we don't, then our strategy is very different. We're hoping that nobody else has it and it passes in, then we can negotiate. Uh, but I like to see the verbal and nonverbal cues from people that are out there, uh, and I think that's really important. Um, and then, of course, knowing how much you've got. If you're really nervous, I always advise if somebody's bidding for themselves, start off then. Get it out. Get Hear your voice publicly, and then you can tend to settle down, which yeah. is good. Uh, if you're a bit of a risk taker, you might wait until the end and then throw in a bid and look like you've got all the money in the world because you've only just started. Yeah. But uh, that's not obviously always the case. <laughs> no. <laughs> because many times the person that starts the bidding ends the bidding and they win it. So uh, the other piece of advice is that you must bid if you want to buy it. Yes. Uh, don't wait for it to pass in and then hope that they'll negotiate with you. If it passes in, let it be to you so that you have the first right to hear what that reserve is and then you can negotiate. Yeah. Mm, interesting. So Claire from Bo Morris wants to know, how do I combat the nerves? The nerves yeah. are a bit of a concern. Look, nerves are always a you know something. So if, if Claire started the auction, for instance, yeah. she might find that when she hears her voice and she's finally got a, a figure out, mm-hmm. uh, that she feels a lot better. Mm-hmm. She can obviously engage a professional to bid for her. Yeah. Um, there are you know services of just bidding, if mm-hmm. you like. So if that's what you need to do, uh, I would think that if you've got the confidence because you've got information behind you, then you'll feel better on the day. You won't mm-hmm. feel as nervous. Yeah. Going uh, back to having a strategy will. Help. Yeah, back to having a strategy, knowing that you are able to purchase the property because you've ticked all of your due diligence boxes gives you more confidence and less nerves. Uh, I love to hear um, music. So I'll walk around the streets before the auction with music blaring in my my ears just to get into the the zone. Uh, And you'll often see auctioneers that do that too. They're just getting in the zone before it. And then they, you know, for them it's a big, you know, performance. Um, And so that's another way of combating some nerves. Yeah. How often do you see it that buyers have to be registered bidders at at an auction? Why is this a good tactic by the selling agent? Mm, Really good question because Victoria is falling way behind on that. Uh, We register at the block, Mm -hmm. uh, but that's the only Victorian auction I've ever had to register at. And it could be because we do have a national audience and so therefore in New South Wales, of course, you have to register to bid. So I'm licensed in New South Wales and I will fly up there to bid for clients uh, and we will always have to give uh, identification and registration or you can't bid. Right. Which is really good. And yeah. I think that we need to bring that into Victoria because quite often there might be international buyers that don't have the Foreign Investment Review Board approval yet, but they could be bidding. Now, if they're going to bid and they don't have that approval, then they're potentially raising the price of a property when they can't actually legally bid. And mm-hmm. so it needs to be a fair um, playing ground so that if we register, they register. And they mm-hmm. must produce, I think the number that says they've got the approval from the government to bid. So when should we start bidding? Should we be the first or do you think we should see who's interested first? So often the strategy that I uh, will speak about with a client is based on what I believe the vendor wants to hear and that's a conversation with the agent. So it may be that I know we're going to buy the property but the vendor wants to see and hear bids. Mm -hmm. So if I open up big, Mm. they might just say we'll pass it in to her. because we'll get more money out of her. Whereas if I start low or I wait and I let other people bid, 
the vendor has seen, okay, there's people bidding, people bidding, people bidding. Oh, it's stopped. Oh, okay, you know. And so they, some of the, we, we call it they want their time in the sun. Mm. And that's fine. They want to see where the bidding is. Uh, other times I'll just open at a level where I know everybody else cannot afford it. Yeah. Just whack them out of the yeah. park if, yeah. you, if you know you've got that budget there. That's right. Yeah, it'd be nice to have that. But not to a point where you're overspending for a client. But if yeah. you know, so going to lots of auctions, you will actually see a lot of the people that you're bidding against because they're at every auction looking mm. at similar properties. So them watch them. Yeah. What do they pull out at? Uh, I will always try and take photographs and, and note down what somebody pulled out at so mm. that I know, okay. Not necessarily that that's their budget, but for that st- that property, that's... that was their budget. So it could be relatively what their budget was. Mm-hmm. I'll always ask an agent, who am I bidding against? Any other advocates? Or what is the profile of the buyers that I'll mm-hmm. be bidding against? What have they missed out on? Yeah. Which property was it? Then I'll go and look at the property and go, okay, that was very similar. Mm-hmm. They've probably got a very similar budget. Okay, that's where they're at. So yeah, I can give that information back to the You're client. You're very forward, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> well, that's, that's my job. Though, that's the advantage of, yeah. of going to lots of auctions like you yes. are. You, you've got that advantage versus yeah. someone yeah. coming in looking at their first to buy their first home on their yeah. own, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Well, the agent may not give that to them, but they know no. that I'm not sharing it other than on your podcast. <laughs> uh, and no one's going to hear that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it's, yeah. you know, I've been in the industry for so long that um, yeah. they know that. Yeah, you've got the confidence. Yeah. To no, that's great. Things, yeah. Uh, what are the benefits of being the final bidder if it hasn't been declared on the market? Oh, look, as I said before, you've got a bid to buy. So if you're the final bidder and it's it's still not on the market and they decide to um, pass it in. What actually happens from that point on? Mm. So a lot of people believe that it is uh, a, your God-given right to actually go in if you're the last mm. bidder, but it's actually not. It's a courtesy. And we saw that on the block uh, at Regent Street where they passed it in uh, and everyone was very confused because it wasn't announced on the market yet. And that's probably the best example I can give you. They passed it in and it was like, but I didn't even get to bid. And now I could probably eat my words of you've got a bid to buy. But I was actually waiting. My strategy was to wait and then to bid. But they passed in before I got to bid. So in that um, instance, uh, the right went to one of the advocates that had been bidding, Mm. but it was not actually a right. Uh, Mm. It was a courtesy. And then I just made my intentions clear that I was there to buy it as well and I wanted to be included in those instructions. So it then effectively turned into a private sale. Okay. Because it wasn't on the market, so it was a private sale. Yeah. Um, but it many of the quite well, didn't it? Well, it well. sold well, but um, yeah. to me, yeah. for my client, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's put it out there. Um, they still made a profit, though. From they made a profit. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I followed it up. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but in you know a normal auction every day uh, on the weekends, the if they don't reach the reserve uh, mm-hmm. and announce on the market, it will pass into somebody. Usually, mm. uh, there may be no one. They might open up and say, we'll be here for the next 15, 20 minutes if anyone wants to talk to us. Mm. Uh, or they'll pass it into the highest bidder and they'll often try and induce someone to bid so they get that right. Um, but as I said, it's a courtesy. You go in yeah. and then you hear what the reserve is or what the vendor would actually like. Yeah. Now, sometimes that is higher than what the, the quoted price was and others it's yeah. within that. So mm. you then have that opportunity to either meet it or go back with something and counter on, on that and that's when the fun begins. But they will talk to all the bidders basically. At that point. Well, you get 15 minutes, yeah. 15, 20 oh, minutes. So. And sorry. most agents will be very, uh, very respectful of that in that if they've got a negotiation going with that person, mm. they won't actually go out to everybody else. 
Yeah. And they'll actually go, you know what? So you put the it. hand up, you get to negotiate and we'll negotiate with you if they feel yeah. the sale's going to happen. Yeah. If they don't, then they will say, well, thank you so much, and then they'll go out to everybody else. Yeah. Okay. Do they, to the agents, would they like to get it done in that 15 minutes in your experience? Absolutely. Keen yeah. Because they've got to get to the next auction. They've got to get to the yeah. But <laughs> well, being able to. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah, look, they've worked on the, the property for four weeks or maybe six weeks. They're happy to work on that one person. They want that to be sold. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's when the crunch time comes and that's when they'll drill down with, a, with, a, mm. an, uh, with the buyer but also the seller to make sure that they meet. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. There was one property that I bid on. But it was really weird. The auctioneer asked me to... They knew that I was interested. And she asked me to come and speak to her part of the auction. And she said, I'm going to pass the property into you. Hmm, all right? And I'm like, really? She's like, yes. I want just, I'll say a number and then you just put an extra 5000 in. And then I'll pass it into you. And I'm like, oh, that's... So Very strange. Odd. Dodgy? Very dodgy. <laughs> Very dodgy. Um, so either they had no other buyers. Yes. And they just thought, you know, we'll pass it into you, then we can negotiate and la da So that's, that's essentially what happened. Um, did you do it? Well, yeah, but they and started... Did you buy it? They did started, you buy it? Yeah. For that price? Well, yeah. so they quoted... But, but then afterwards, you're thinking, did they just do that as a tactic? We actually got else, the or? house... Less than what they quoted. Oh, okay. That sounds like it was good then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as long as no well, as like, long surely. as it wasn't quoted beyond what it should have been. Yeah. There must so have had no one else. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the second uh, agent they tried to sell through. So um, I think we actually got it. Oh, probably thirty percent less than what they originally wanted from the first agent. Well, so, a lot of the time, the first agent quoted too high, yeah. and then the second agent always mops up, yeah. because they've already, they've already, yeah. the first the agent's already bashed them down yeah. to that level, and yeah. then the second yeah, they, agent comes in and looks like a hero because they were able to go, yeah, yeah, we can sell yeah. it for that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting tactic. Yeah. yeah, so Ben from Williamstown wants to know, before attending an auction from a house he wants, for a house he wants to buy, how well should he get to know the auctioneers and their tactics? Oh, I think it's imperative. I think yeah. you need to find out who's calling the auction yeah. and then go and watch them because they'll have they, a certain way of auctioning. Yeah. But more importantly for Ben, he needs to find out if it's a referral auction or a non-referral auction. So, so how does he find that out? Well, he asks. Yeah. You can just ask, are you going to go inside halfway through yeah. or are you going to stay out the front? And if yeah. you reach the reserve, keep going yeah. uh, because some vendors want to talk to the agent halfway through. That's a referral auction. Yeah. Some will say, no, you hit that magic figure, you just keep going. Yeah. From, from the agent's point of view, what's the benefit of either way of those? So for the agent, uh, if the auction is stalling, it's great to have a half-time break. I'm yep. just going to let you all think about it. Yeah. Contemplate where you think value is. I want to go and speak to my vendor. Or they'll go, oh, I'm going in to have a glass of water, come back out again, and right, let's yep. rock and roll. Yep. A lot of Melbournians wait for that before they start bidding. Yeah. Uh, but if, as I said, you know, I think on a previous podcast with you that if yeah. you wait, then uh, it could be too late. Uh but if there's um, momentum in it, I'm if there's assuming, momentum, they then that. they and just want to keep going. Yeah, and yeah. as soon as they advertise it's on the market, then you will get a few more people usually. 
um, depending on what level it's at. So that momentum brings the strength to keep going and you might see that someone will walk in, they keep the auction going, but someone's walked in, comes back out and goes the nod and then, ladies and gentlemen, it's on the market. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Game time. Yeah. Excellent, Nicole. Thanks for helping us out. And, um, yeah, we'll now talk to some auctioneers and see what they say. See what they say. (laughs) See if they... It's a battle. Back me up. (laughs) After the break, we will have the auctioneer's perspective of what are the best tactics when bidding at an auction. Now you're listening to Real Estate Right, and we have Barry Sloan, who has been in the real estate industry for over 25 years and is a freelance auctioneer who helps usually smaller real estate agents get the best price for their marketed properties. He freelances right around Melbourne, understanding every strategy buyers try to use, and has conducted over 8,000 auctions in his 25 years. Welcome, Barry. Yay. Thank you. you. Thank you. I'm very good, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Well, thanks for being here. Now, from an auctioneer's perspective, how can a bidder position themselves in a crowd to ensure the auctioneer knows they are interested in the property? Well, it's a really good question. And having you know done so many, I've seen a lot of different strategies. Probably, um, you know, what we tend to find is that people wait for something to happen, an epiphany. Uh, mm. um, you know, you're the auctioneer, you've done a great spiel, you've called for the bids, everyone's seen the property. The agents tell you, uh, as a freelance auctioneer, I get a debriefing before I start, I do a pre-auction meeting with the vendors. Um, and generally you hear crickets. Uh, and that first bid is quite often the hardest, um, the hardest bid. Um, different strategies are probably the most common is to wait uh, wait right until the end, or or bid slowly, or start yeah, off. In terms of in terms of actually the crowd standing in the crowd, where would you? Stand? Oh, I beg your pardon. Physically yeah. positioned. Physically front positioned. and centre. Sorry. Front and right centre. Yeah, front and centre. Um, I think uh, it's when I conduct an auction, people are there to be entertained, mm. right? Um, and as a bidder of a property, you want to control the crowd as much as possible. So. You want to show bravado, you want to show confidence, you want to show, I remember years ago having conducted, <laughs> conducted, conducting an auction and there were two or three groups bidding for it and the guy standing right in front of me, nearly yeah. in my face, turned around to the bidder and said um, his opposition uh, if, and pointed at the back of the crowd, if you bid again, I'm going to jump it by $10,000. And the woman went, oh, my God. And didn't do anything. So um, I think front and centre, rather than hiding up the back, rather than uh, milling around, I think yeah. that you are better to allocate one person to bid rather than stand in a group. Yeah. And quite often, um, if you are separated from your family, from your friends who are all there to see the great day and all that sort of stuff, yeah. um, then conduct it as a commercial transaction and have your business hat on. Yeah, fair enough. So what is an auctioneer looking for to work out who are the buyers? Is it body language, first-hand knowledge from the agent or buyer, any other telltale signs that, you know, they could... Um, I I look for body language. I I think body language is a very important thing. So you'll see 
starting off the auction in, in a medium to large size crowd, you'll see people start to reposition or jostling for positions to come up to the front so that they can be seen after hiding up the back a little bit. Yeah. When we first get to the auction, I will say to the, 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 the agents, who have we got here? And I'll say, oh, we've, we've had a great campaign. We've had this and this and this. My question to the agents is usually, if you had, if your life depended on it, and this is what I say to them, and you had to pick out one person to sell the property to in the next 30 seconds, mm. who would it be? Yeah. And it puts a different train of thought on, I'll say, the guy with the red hat. Yeah. Okay, good. So that's our buyer. Um, the other ones, they've shown interest. And I've, I've got my role is to sort of jostle through or sort through respectfully the agent's perception of who they have there yeah. as to who is actually there to conduct business. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look for, look for different things. I think the, um, uh, the ones that are the most frustrating are the ones that, uh, you know, on the third calls, you know, ask for another couple of minutes, they'll put their hands up and do those sort yeah. of things. So it's, all, it's all strategic and that's okay. Yeah. We're, we're there. I'm there to represent my clients, the agents mm-hmm. who are there to represent uh, their vendors. Mm-hmm. And as long as, takes as long as we get the highest and best price the market has to offer on the day we've all done our job yeah beautiful so how should a buyer bid with confidence you know are they forthright with their actions or yeah i think i think so i think there are a couple of different strategies there if i was going to bid i would bid um so let's say a price range was between five and five fifty um as the auctioneer um, I would open the bidding at 500 and see who jumps in after that. I think as a bidder, you've got a couple of different options. I like to be bullish. Yeah. Right? You're there to, That's who you there are. to scare people away. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> um, my first bid, if the, if the property had been advertised for between five and 550 and I had a budget of, let's say, 600 for it, mm. uh, my, my first bid would be 530. Yeah. I'd be knocking people out straight away. Yeah. Or if you were to start off the bidding at 500 and someone came in at 510, then I'd jump it to 530. Yeah. You're going to pay what you're going to pay anyway. Yeah. Right. So it's how you stack the chips in between hands. Yeah. Um, the other way to do it is to wait until, or the other, the, the reverse or the polar opposite of that is um, it's on the market. It's about to be sold. And all of a sudden you put your hand up for a thousand dollars right at the, the very end. Yeah. Um, and, those ones we call a smoky Joe. They, as I say, come out of the woodwork and quite often have a little bit more in the tank left to go uh, at the end. So there are different ways you can do it. I've, I've seen people, um, as I say, single groups or single people bid for properties. Mm-hmm. And then I've actually seen um, the same group and uh, have three or four bidders for the same property there, believe it or not. Okay. So what they do is they start the bidding, let's say, again at 500. Uh, 510, 520, 530, all in the same group and really um, alienate any other bidders because they can see that there's this fast, furious competition mm. in the middle. And there was another instance with a, a different agent, a uh, different auctioneer than, than me that I was watching that he went inside to seek instructions and it happened very quickly. It was ha- happened in about three minutes. Yeah. He said, just hold on there, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'll just go inside and seek my final, final instructions. Yeah. Came out. And there were four different parties bidding. When he came out and he said, 
happy to introduce ladies and gentlemen that we're on the market we will be selling from here on through and he turned around to his penciler and said where the hell's everyone gone so three out of the four had actually left wow as soon as he walked back out and announced it leaving him with one bidder and they were at 550 we're just using the 550 analogy at yeah. the moment and had to sell it because he had announced it was on the market so quite literally they created their own competition yeah and then dissolved the competition as soon as it was announced. <laughs> and um, great strategy, yeah. right? So how is he to know? You're not to, you, you can't strategize about everything. And yeah. he thought he had four or five bidders going crazy for the property. Get it on the but market really as early as possible. Yeah. It was the one. Wow. Interesting. So what are some things that bidders do that can be misread, either as a bid or a non-bid? Like, you know, obviously, you know, moving of the hat or, you know, yeah, cough in the wrong direction. Uh, look, I, I, I think that, look, it, it's always good to have the child in the crowd do something that um, is a little bit uh, off, off, off base yeah. or someone touches their hat or scratches their eye. And you can use that as an auctioneer just as a bit of a joke or a bit of a laugh. Yeah. Be careful, uh, be careful, sir, scratching your forehead. Uh, <laughs> you know, you could end up scratching your forehead and, and, and uh, end up buying a property yeah. and you have a bit of a laugh with the crowd. Um, it's really important, though, on the serious side of things as an auctioneer to be clear and defined with who is actually bidding. I yeah. suppose I've, I've um, conducted auctions in Queensland and I've conducted conducted auctions in Victoria. And I suppose the difference between Queensland and New South Wales is that without going right into it is that everyone gets a paddle yeah. uh, and a number and pre-registered in Queensland, for example, like in New South Wales. So it's really clear and defined mm. um, here. Unfortunately, there's no legislation to say that because you bid at an auction in Victoria and that I point at you and say that you've bought the place, there is nothing binding you to actually sign the agreement. Wow. It's nothing. It's scary, really. We we rely... Exactly. So that's why a good agent will shuffle the the winning bidder inside and get them to sign up and no one talks about anything else. We get the paperwork done. We get the check. We exchange contracts. We do all that sort of stuff because, and I have seen it in one instance that someone sat at the table and said, I think I've paid too much. I'm not going to sign that. Um, So as, as an auctioneer, we have to be really as much as I always believe that people come to auctions to be entertained. Mm. Right. Yeah. Have a joke. Once you get the crowd on your side, the money comes a little bit easier. The bidding becomes a little bit easier when you're stuffy and, and really robotic, yeah. like like some different agents are, um, auctioneers are. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I just think it's your responsi- responsibility that certainly when you're taking information in at half time that we see as auctioneers the crowd mm. through different coloured glasses than what the agents see. Yeah. So when I go back inside at half time to or at the vendor break to talk to the vendors about what's actually transpiring in their auction. Obviously uh, quite often my interpretation is completely different than the agent. Yeah. So it, it's up to us to make sure that those bids are real and current. And you know what? Um, I'll say throw, if I can't see your bid, throw things at me, pick up a small child, throw them in my direction, whatever it, the, you need to do to make, to make yourself known. Because again, legislation now is once the gavel hits the paper, yeah. we can't reopen. The bid. Yeah. So there are no second chances. Definitely, yeah. So how can you tell the auctioneer when you've hit your limit without the rest of the crowd knowing? Is there any sort of specific things that? Um, 
Look, I, th I think it's just known that when you, well, I mean, you can give the wave sort of uh, with the hand at the throat that I'm out. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th I think simply simple enough is to let the auctioneer know, no, I'm out. Yeah. What happens from there on through is that <clears throat> you start to lose a little bit of credibility as a buyer when you say I'm out and then you come back and bid another $5,000 yeah. in a couple of bids. Yes. So then exactly that, you lose the credibility to say that I'm out. Um, I think any auctioneer worth their salt will go back to even quite often the people's, the two groups starting the bidding won't be the two groups finishing the bidding. Mm. Right. Yeah. So I think it's our responsibility to go back to the first two groups and say, look, um, you haven't bid for a while. Just indicate to me that you're out, yeah. out. I respect your decision. Yeah. Second party, the same thing. Third party, the same thing. And fourth party, right. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give it three calls and it's your opportunity. Once the gavel hits the paper, we're, we're done. Yeah. So um, I, I think that's, uh, that's the most important facet there. Yeah. And most agents do that sort of style, don't they? They make sure that they yes. include everybody who have, made an effort to get this price going yeah yeah again you know you want to be able to walk in although the, the vendors haven't directly employed you yeah. you're there representing the agents that they've represented yeah i walk in and and we'll talk to them i suppose essentially like they are my my client and say to them we have to have the confidence that we have maximized the return for their property and exhausted every dollar that's going to be spent mm. out there and you know, I have a pre-auction meeting with the vendors and there are only three different scenarios that can happen yeah. and take them through those scenarios so that there are no surprises along the way. Yeah. An informed vendor on the day of the auction, because it's the most nervous day and I've had, I've had, I've had vendors that have been out chain smoking. Yeah. I've had vendors in the past that have had a couple of cooking sherries, um, <laughs> you know, sherry. in the morning of. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it might have been something a little bit harder. It wasn't wine, but it was in a little nip, nip thing. Yeah. So diff different people handle the stress differently. If we can diffuse that stress a little bit for them, yeah. then we've done our job. Yeah. Properly. And again, we make, we make the, the agents look great. We uh, appease and make the vendors look great. And also the purchasers feel like they've, they've bought well. Yeah. Then we've done our job. Yeah, we're good. Is the vendor or the agent in control of the auction? So, okay, you've got your auctioneer, you've got your vendor, you've got the agent who has been doing in the hard yards. In the end, who's the ultimate person in control of the auction? Yeah, it's, it's really important. Um, I think as much as different agents will handle their vendors differently and auction training uh, is really important internally in any office mm. because it's a different day and it's a different thing. The last thing in the world... Uh, taking it from the start, we don't need five agents talking to one vendor before the, the auction. Mm. Really, it's just the person handling the sale. And if there's another person different to that, maybe a director or the person that was given the listing that's handed it on and the auctioneer. Yeah. Let's not lose sight of the fact that as much as your agents are there and the crowd is there and the excitement is there, the vendor is always in control. Mm. Always in control. Yeah. And it's really important that we don't get caught up in the agent said this and the agent said that. So again, as an auctioneer, as a freelance auctioneer, and I deal with a lot of different agencies across Melbourne. And again, I've, I've been through Brisbane as well. Um, sometimes it's my role to just 
put the callers on the agents because they might be pushing a little bit too hard for a position. Yeah. And say to the vendors, you know, give the vendors the power because the, the power is with the vendors. The last thing in the world anyone wants is a vendor firstly not understanding what's happening. Yeah. And I make it very clear to them the words it's on the market are a point of no return. Mm. We, we've and, actually and had an episode about that. We had, you know, because the word market gets thrown around a lot. There's on the market, off market, um, marketing, yes. all that sort of stuff. Um, I make it, I, I don't use the term often. I will only ever use the term at the halfway break when I need them to make a decision. Mm-hmm. So if they were expecting 500, for example, and we're at 510,000, that's when I'll actually reintroduce the term. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'll say to you, Sue, this is the time where I'm going to ask you, can I put the property on the market again? That is the point of no return. If we don't get any higher or better bidding from this point forward, 510 will be your final price. Do you understand that? Yes, I do. From that point, I actually ask the auctioneer to, um, not the auctioneer, the agent to actually endorse or fill in the authority with the new um, reserve price and get the vendors to initial that so that everyone is covered legally as well. Yeah. So it's a really important juncture in the process because old Nancy across the road, for example, who's been living in a house since 1951 that's never, ever sold anything, might just think something different. So it's, again, my responsibility as the auctioneer to make sure that the things pertaining to the auction that are critical for the success of the auction are explained to the vendor when the agents may not have done that in the manner or regard that I like them done. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So Barry, you know, what happens to a property once it's passed in? Okay. Really good question, Sue. Um, (laughs) um, So I find that dealing with different areas and sometimes language is a barrier, uh, cultures are a barrier and a lot of people don't really understand. So once a property is passed in, what it essentially means is that we haven't hit the reserve price. Hmm. You as the bidder really don't know how far away from the reserve price we are. Okay. We can't disclose that out out, um, in uh, in the public auction. So It's really important to understand that once the property has been passed in or once the property has been passed in, I'll announce to the crowd that you're not bidding at the moment to buy the property, and effectively you are, but you're bidding for a right to have a seat at the table to hear and take up the vendor's reserve price and you have first right of refusal. Yeah. That that sounds a little bit contrived, but that's sort of legislatively where we're at. Basically, it means you get to say yes or no to the vendor's reserve price above and beyond anyone else walking inside. Now, if that happens to you, you don't have all day to make up your mind. No. Okay. So this is really important because we'll have um, situations where we pass the property in and people standing outside saying, I want to go inside and have a chat. Well, there are two different things. Let's concentrate on the first one. So you get taken inside and get sat on the couch. Yeah. And the first thing I will say to you is you're sitting on the couch and we're having this conversation because the property has been passed in. You haven't bought the property. Otherwise we'd be yeah. sitting at the dining table and you'd be filling in documentation. Yeah. Get that. So the price we're at is not going to buy the property today. 
I need you to review your price while I go and confirm the reserve price with the vendors and I'll come back and have a chat with you. Hmm. What in real estate terms, you're given a reasonable amount of time to make that yeah. decision. So let's just role play for a second uh, or let, let's just give the scenario. So that yeah. you've been brought inside, you're at 500 and the vendors, for example, are at 550,000. Yeah. I say that to you. I go away and confirm the reserve. Yes, it's 550,000. Come back to you and say, Sue, the vendors reserve price is at 550,000. Really? Well, I was hoping for like 540, but okay. you know what? So, yeah. so just to explain it to you, Sue, yeah. is if you refuse the vendor's reserve price, we are now free to go and speak to anyone else. Okay. So my 540 doesn't keep me in the play. No, it doesn't. So you have first what the term is, the important thing for any bidder out there, that's listening to your podcast and they all should be listening to your podcast is that that the most important thing here is to understand first right of refusal. Yeah. It's not an opportunity to negotiate. So it is eternal issue with the agency that we're dealing with that might turn around and say, okay, so we've told you five fifty, we've got three people outside to talk to. Thanks very much. We're done with you. And out you go. That would never happen. Yeah. But that, that could happen. It could. Well, the only way it does happen is if uh, you are the only bidder. Well, it, exactly right. Exactly right. But um, yeah. we, we would hope that you being inside and if you ask the question, am I the only bidder? Well, it's unbeknownst to us who's standing outside the front door for us to go and speak to next. Because before I pass the property in, I would say, this young lady is going to step forward and come in the house and have first right of refusal at the vendor's reserve price. Please, mm-hmm. ladies, ladies and gentlemen, if you have any further interest in the property, make your interest known to our agents. Once we're yeah. finished speaking to, or once we give the um, this young lady, you, uh, the reserve yeah. price, one of two things is going to happen. She'll take up the reserve price and buy the property, or we're free to come out and speak to everyone else. So yeah. there's there's a little bit of separation and anxiety that you don't know and nor do we when we're inside, who's outside waiting to talk next. Yeah. We, one thing we don't do is we don't go and shop it around that she's at 540 and the vendor's reserve prices of 550. We'll deal with you again for oh. a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. By definition, a reasonable amount of time for me is about 12 to 15 minutes. You're going to make a decision in 12 to 15 minutes. Do you yeah. want to take it up or not? So I think what tells a bidder whether there are other people interested, exactly what you've said, is it only me or are there 15 people waiting at the door to come in and do what I'm doing now is, well, Sue, I'll take your 540 to the vendor. But the Mm -hmm. vendors are pretty steadfast to 550. I don't think they're going to move, but you know what? I'll take your 540 to them and let you know what they have to say. But I need you to start thinking about that extra 10,000. Yeah. So go off to the vendor, come back, and the first thing I'm going to say to you is 550 is the number, so what do you want to do? Oh, then, like not even 548? No, not 548. 548 is not 550. So it's it, 550. <laughs> yeah. So it enters into this, uh, um, this one-on-one scenario that I suppose you can take this one of two ways. 
if there were, if it was passed into you and the insight to the industry is, if it was passed into you, but there were three or four bidders bidding with you up to a certain level, but you're the lucky one to come inside, then you know that there's a little bit of interest outside. Mm. If it was just you that put your hand up and said, I'll start the bidding off at 500 and there was no further bid or advance at 500 and you come inside, then you can pretty much be sure it's about, again, knowing your environment. Don't be distracted by kids. Don't be distracted by friends or family or whoever it is. It is, and it's very hard for people to separate the fact that it's a commercial transaction. Yeah. I know all the emotions there. I deal with the emotion. Yeah. That's my job. And that, and to be honest with you, that $2,000 is well, one mortgage repayment. Really? That's well, exactly. Exactly right. And, and really the thing I'd be asking you for $2,000, Sue, are you prepared to lose the property? Yeah. For one mortgage repayment. For one mortgage repayment. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'll, I'll quite often say outside, you know, for $2,000, which is less than the average Australian holiday, where else would you want to spend your time off than the beautiful house behind us? So, you know, there are different ways yeah. to, 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 have, to have the conversation. To put the perspective in, in exactly place. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So I think that's really important that it's a lot of people will stand there and, and I encourage your listeners to ask questions. Quite yeah. often I'll be standing there with a penciler we will have two or three principals walking around. We'll have two or three agents walking around. They're not mm. there for their good looks and winning personalities. They are there. They were. No, Sue. No. <laughs> um, they are there and draw on them. Excuse me, I don't understand what's happening. If, the, if there's a language barrier, you know what? There's no language barrier with numbers. Yeah. So some of our... Um, out in the West where English is literally a second language and a, a, a very distant second language sometimes. Um, yeah. I have the agents go out with whiteboards and write down the bids for people because they understand the number more than yeah. they understand the gaffle what's coming out of me yeah. and get caught up in that. So don't ever be afraid as a purchaser to ask what's going on, even if you have to step forward, if it's the house that you have to have. Yeah. And you don't understand, I would prefer someone to stand in the middle of the crowd, come in front of me and say, can you stop there? I don't get it. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. We'll get someone who is akin to your language or whatever the case may be to help you understand so that you don't miss out on the house. Either. Yeah. Perfect. As far as people with, with your auctions go, um, if you're bidding at an auction. Yeah. The most important thing is, I think, to keep your cards as close to your chest as far as agents go, Yeah. right? So um, it would be lovely <laughs> if we got to an uh, auction and people are waving checkbooks in the, in the air and all yeah. those sort of things, and yes, we're ready to buy. So when you go to an auction, it's about being educated. Go and yeah. see what your opposition is. You've probably bid, bid at a couple that um, you haven't been successful at, you know the process, go and see auction so that when it's your turn to step up to the plate, it's not a big surprise mm. and just be educated enough to spend your own money. Know when to stop. Yeah, definitely. Okay, awesome. Okay, so thanks so much, Barry, for your insight on the auctioneer side of the best tactics. No, I've had a ball, Sue. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think you're doing a yeah. great service to the real estate community and any insights for purchasers and agents alike and the general community 
about, you know, I think real estate's had a bit of a stigma about it in the past and uh, there yeah. are a lot of people working very hard, including yourselves, to correct that um, misperception about what we do and who we are. Um, yeah. And uh, as, as the catalyst with the biggest transaction in most people's lives, we need to be um, looked upon more favourably, I think. Definitely, I agree with you. Next week, as we draw near to the end of the year and all those properties that were bought in the hope to move in by Christmas, we thought we would hear again from REIV 2022's Buyer's Advocate of the Year, Tonya Davidson, about how you should prepare your home for settlement. This episode we had in early February 2021. And we feel it is as relevant now as it was then. Download the episode next week. Real Estate Right is a real copyright production hosted by Sue Langada and Grant Kennedy. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Premium Beat for our theme music, Zoom for our video link and Nicole Jacobs for coming into our studios prior to the COVID outbreak. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review Real Estate Right on your favourite podcast platform. And if you would like to ask one of our experts a question on the podcast, email your questions to sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right. Baby, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not,